0: Hello and welcome back to the 29th episode of The Oligarchy Disruptor with your host Bennett Leon and of course we have Ashley Downing here with us as well including our very special guest Matt Finstein who once again is joining us to talk about his take on the Republican side or the logic that Republicans have uh, in these elections and his kind of transition from that Um, so you're going to get his insight on Current state of the Democratic Party, Democrat, uh, the Democratic primary, including Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, and see what he thinks about it in the comparison between the two. So I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you very much for tuning in. The smart people, the people that actually want to win this election, the people that say that their number one priority is to defeat Donald Trump, they should be voting for Bernie Sanders because he's the opposite of donald trump on the left and what did he do when everybody was announcing that they were going to do these ubi he he wasn't about to let anyone show up on his left he's like bitch i got two thousand dollars on this right
1: <laughs>
0: i got two thousand dollars for you guys he doubled it so uh, bernie's showing up to the plate and i think it's really interesting that he's kind of like taken his focus away from the election and his current status like fall definitely faltering as a campaign uh, as a campaign on a national stage, but he's taking his focus and his interest and directing it towards the pandemic and his job as a Senator there. So I think it's very interesting that he's stepping into the role of the presidency. I think we're, we're seeing a glimpse of what he would be like and the kind of attention that he Mm -hmm. would put to the really important issues that face the American people on a daily basis rather than all the bullshit and taking care of wall street and the banks and the people that are reelecting these pieces shit that are in office that aren't doing anything to help us. How long has it been? And they still can't get shit done.
2: Well, and you see how out of touch they are with the average American. I mean, when you have, and I think we talked about this on a previous episode with Kamala Harris, I mean, you, It just shows how she or she just knows and does not care, which I think is even worse. Um, But I mean, they're just so their priorities are are not in check. And when you see Bernie Sanders and everything that he has consistently, mind you, consistently stood for, um, it blows my mind that more people aren't voting for him. It really does. (laughs) I mean, I can't. Biden is the left wing. I don't want to see the left-wing trump but he's he's not going to do anything different um versus bernie sanders who will completely do a a u-haul of our government and give people what they want (sighs)
1: sorry go
2: ahead
1: i I think a lot of that bernie actually did shoot himself in the foot uh, on that I, i think that to an extent is bernie's campaign's fault they Now, they they did a fantastic job when they thought the game was going to go the way it did in 2016 for the Republicans. Mm -hmm. They expected a divided field and for people to, uh, without question, bet. They believe that if you bet on ego, you're going to win the bet. Because in politics, usually you're right to bet on ego. They bet that none of the centrist blob would drop out of the election. Turns out (laughs) Democrats are fundamentally not Republicans. (laughs) <laughs> republicans are, you ego. Know, democrats they are actually in it for partisan gain they they genuinely mm-hmm. believe in party over uh party over ideology republicans i mean they do but in a different way republican a republican candidate will never put themselves aside they'll they'll totally suck it up and vote privately but they'll never step aside themselves a democrat will totally uh kowtow to the party machine so, their campaign miscalculated. And when they did, they, they kind of should have seen it coming once Mayor Pete started talking about dropping out or reevaluating his campaign or whatever. They probably should have calculated now is a good time to pivot towards, okay, it's probably going to be me versus Biden here on out. Let's go hard on that. And at that point, he should have dropped the rhetoric about a political movement and he. He should address, he should have started addressing it when he was asked about it, but then stopped using the term democratic socialism. He pushed the Overton window on that term, Michigan. Mm-hmm. He should have dropped mm-hmm. it at that point once the centrist blob, uh, consolidated. Yeah. So that's something I, I actually think Republican. I, I've been a supporter of now two populist movements. <laughs> Uh, back in two thousand and twelve, it was the Tea Party movement that I was enthusiastically behind <laughs> now it's it 's the the, the the social democratic uh, justice democrat movement on the left uh, one thing i 've noticed that both of them did a lot of things the same. they both imposed litmus litmus tests uh, they both for better or worse, turn out to vote red slash blue no matter who in in November they really do. Uh, the progressives aren't really the, the wing of the party that the Democrats have to worry about. The, the wing of the party they have to worry about are those independents that Bernie brought into the fold and encouraged to turn out, because those are really the swing voters who win elections. Democrats are going to Democrat no matter what. But something that the Republican Tea Party did very well that the, Democrats, uh, the Democratic left has, I, I think, done very poorly is they... <laughs> imminent looming threat that we have to get conservatism now we have to stop the left now, now. and hey these guys they're in league with the left that you have to get these guys out now and get me in asap because if we don't they're going to start confirming obama's judges they're going to start voting to compromise on the federal wow. budget We don't do something now we have to stop them All right, the democrats uh, the justice democrats hasn't done anything to, to galvanize that you. sense of fear, that immediate urgency to connect with people outside of the coalition who already kind of get that. They really haven't made it for humor that, yeah, this is really important.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He really never did that.
2: I, I think one another good point that you had made, too, was once he realized that it was him Versus Biden, and, and that that was really who his competition was. I think that B- Bernie should have. I don't know about necessarily um, making the rhetoric more harsh, but just really attacking his po- his policies. B- mine versus versus Biden. He sort of went into his voting history. He's Bernie is famous for you know quoting Biden's voting history, but I think that he could have started attacking Biden more personally. Um, earlier on. And I think that that really would have helped him stand apart from Biden. And I think Biden is just getting a lot of voters that voted for Obama because they just find him to be familiar and a safe vote. Um, When in actuality, what we talk about a lot on here is that people regularly vote against their own interests And I think that Bernie could have done a better job at letting people know, hey, if you vote for Biden, you are going to be voting against your own interests.
0: I think uh, that's also where Bernie Sanders dropped the ball is that he should have drilled Joe Biden more directly. And there's this thing among the Democratic Party, this, um, I don't even know what to call it, this preference where they don't. The base does not want to hear um, any kind of like roughhousing among the Democrats Mm -hmm. uh, or the candidates. They don't want to hear any kind of like negativity amongst each other because they're afraid that if they attack each other too much, then it's going to support the Republican Party, a.k.a. Trump, uh, and help them win the nomination. But that's fucking stupid. Why is it stupid? Because you're not attacking the issues. You're not going after the issues if you're not attacking each other you know like how am i mm-hmm. going to win how are you going to fucking win especially when you're down to the last two like and you're back and you're losing bro like you you got to go after him you got to go have you got to go after this dude because this guy has so much baggage so much wrong with him and then it's all recorded like it's all on the record like this this is well known that's why he's lost the last few times that he's run you know like it's embarrassing and this dude's going to this is going to This dude's going to represent the Democratic Party. He's going to take us down the drain and he's going to take. I know personally so many people that are behind this damn exit movement. And because the Democratic Party, the DNC, has intervened as an establishment for the second time in a row to the same candidate and we are watching it live. I know so many people that are behind that movement. And I'm starting to buy into that. I wasn't in it before. I was going to vote for Joe Biden before. But I Mm -hmm. don't want, at the same time, I don't want the DNC to keep thinking that they can get away with this shit. Because they can't. And if they can't, there should be a third party that uh, their movement, the Bernie Sanders movement, that progressive wing of the party should start. I'm totally behind that idea to start a third party that's behind, that represents those values. Because I believe that most Americans do believe in those issues. They just think that those candidates can't win. But if we can build a new party that someone can actually thrive in and not be, like, constantly working against the system and against other candidates and, like, having to deal with, like, the media and all this stupid shit that a candidate shouldn't have to deal with. He should just start his own movement, his own party, and start operating from that from that perspective. What What are your thoughts on that? So, I, I think you're totally 100
1: percent right that the the party really doesn't care <laughs> if they know you're going to vote every single time. They they cater to the moderates because the moderates are the people who turned out in 2018 and delivered them the house and hundred percent right, winning the suburbs is how you will keep the house and maybe maybe a slim majority in the Senate indefinitely, but it's not how you win presidential elections the, the This is what uh um uh, uh dager from the Hill was talking about earlier uh, i want to say uh, two two or three days ago uh, mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, they were talking about that, and i I think the so dem exit, there's totally a merit for that. I, I agree there's a merit for not voting. I, I would still encourage everybody to turn out to vote blue down ticket, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even if you want to spoil the presidential vote, I, I totally agree. It's a valid tactic. Nobody took climate change seriously until Ralph Nader fucked up an election. Yeah. And that's true. It's just, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. The Democrats, sure is. The end, Al Gore especially didn't embrace climate change as a defining issue until Al Gore fucked up the election for them and gave us eight years of Bush. Because they recognized that, whoa, okay, these people actually care and they won't vote for us and they can actually swing an election. Uh, so I, I agree, that's a way to go. I think the better way to go is to continue this. Uh, something that... The, the populist left has done very poorly compared to the populist right and the Tea Party movement is the Tea Party movement rose to, to prominence and completed a, a pretty strong takeover, essentially, of the Republican Party between 2009 and 2016. The Tea Party uh, alt-right was running the show, the populist right, uh, and they were able to do that by capitalizing on uh, dissatisfaction with. Washington elites they ran a campaign not just not just against Washington which they absolutely did and Bernie absolutely did run his campaign against the establishment and the elites and they came they came with uh not tangible plans where they had to answer questions of how are you going to pay for it uh they came with a simple plan of no no more government mm <laughs> So that's something Bernie can't do, but something, something the movement can do is their high profile primaries of incumbents. You know, uh, Mike Lee took down Orrin Hatch's long time, uh, uh, long time peer. I forget his name. Uh, there were tea party insurgents all over the country. Like in 2012, uh, Richard Murdoch took down Richard Lugar, a 30 year Senator in Indiana and, uh, Tea Party insurgent Ron Johnson, he won a highly contested primary and took down Senator Feingold in Wisconsin. Uh, the same thing, the same sort of thing happened all over the Senate. Even uh, Republican Scott Brown won in Massachusetts in 2010 uh, before Senator Warren unseated him. But the point being, the the way to build a movement is to, is to start winning the districts that were going to go towards you anyway. Start mm-hmm. primarying uh cook pvi uh democratic plus five districts you you start winning solidly democratic districts for progressives and you drive the party to the left and that takes a long time unless you have a lot of high profile backing and money like the tea party did and the money is is possible we saw it with bernie the fundraising model works so we could do a high-profile Tea Party-style insurgency at the next midterms, but it's going to be hard, especially if it wins. I would actually say that Biden's victory probably guarantees Super Trump uh, after his term, because status
2: quo
0: is what created Trump. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so I just wanted to ask you one last question before we end the show. Um, or actually uh, one last or like a, two, actually. So I have one right now. Um, so <laughs> where, um, where should Bernie go from here? I mean, um, I mean, my bad, wrong question. We, you actually kind of just answered that without me asking you. Um, what would a Republican's thought process be on a Trump versus Biden ticket? Um, so it depends what kind of Republican you are.
1: There are, there are a lot of, uh, air quotes, country club Republicans, people like my parents who, um, and this also applies to a lot of Democrats, which uh, wh- what you were kind of saying earlier about uh, uh, Democrats uh, not really taking too kindly to Bernie's rhetoric and all that. Uh, Democrats compared to Republicans are fundamentally nice people. What I mean by that is, like, they clutch their pearls when Trump says something horrifying. Uh, or uh, if if Bernie tells sure. uh, tells that CNN reporter, I'm dealing with a fucking crisis, they're like, oh, that's so unpresidential to swear. Or when he yells, that's my damn bill. Or he gets confrontational with people on the debate stage. They're like, oh, that's kind of rude. We're trying to be nice here. We're not Republicans. And in comparison, Republicans don't really give a shit about that kind of thing. They They just don't care they don't care if uh, they don't care if Biden uh, threatens to, to to punch a person at a rally or uh, calls a, a union man a horse's ass or they don't care about that really they don't but what they do care about is owning the lids so <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna Put that, put that <laughs> clip up in commercials and say, "Hey, this is the same guy saying that it's that Trump's rude. This is what you, this is what you guys believe. Trump's rude, but this is okay." They love that. Republicans live for that. They live to to be hypocrites and then point out other people's hypocrisy. That is what they do. Absolutely. Uh, so, and more importantly, on the on the moderate. Ideological front, you know, all these Democratic pundits saying, uh, we'll get a few crossover votes for Donald Trump. Sure. Why? I'm thinking back to when I'm a conservative and I and I really wouldn't have been put off by Trump's xenophobic rhetoric. I'm thinking back on it. And Donald Trump's record when you didn't know him and he was talking about universal health care and not cutting Social Security and Medicare You could totally understand why a never-Trump Republican would be a little scared. This is a break from the Republican orthodoxy. It makes perfect sense why Lindsey Graham is scared of Donald Trump, because Donald Trump is the antithesis to everything Lindsey Graham stood for, neoconservative, military-industrial-complex corporatists. That's what Trump's rhetoric was railing against. Then he becomes president, and over the last four years... He has had the most impeccable neoconservative, far-right record of any president in history. He's been farther right than Reagan. So, why would a Republican vote for anyone other than Donald Trump? He is the epitome of everything the Republican Party stands for. They would never vote for a moderate Democrat. They're getting everything they
0: want right now.
2: Interesting. Interesting.
0: Absolutely, I think you're absolutely right uh, in thinking that because, like, why would you ever vote? Like, I would never vote for like a John Kasich against like a Bernie Sanders and like that kind of the opposite situation. You know, Absolutely. that's perfect because because I would never. I'm going to get everything I want, every single thing I want, or the, the vast majority of them with like Bernie Sanders. But I only get half of what I want with John Kasich because he's going to go with both sides. He's going to get every. He's going to appease. Try to appease everybody but i that doesn't benefit me, you know? So that's, gonna, that's my logic behind it. I also wanted to ask you one more question to follow up on that last one. Now, what do you think, will Trump actually win against Joe Biden if he is the nominee? So before
1: the coronavirus, I, I was saying 100% yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. There was no chance that uh, that Biden would win against Trump, it would be a perfect repeat of 2016. Maybe, maybe Biden wins. Maybe. <laughs> uh, now, though, it could go either way. Uh, mm-hmm. I say, you know, the, the Richard Burr scandal, where these these pieces of shit sold off millions of dollars of stock while they were also telling the American people everything was fine.
0: I know, crazy. I actually mentioned that the last
1: episode. They, yes, they do we did an ethics investigation. <laughs> they put him on trial. The subpoenas are going to fly. More people are going to be implicated, uh, and you know, for better or worse, that's a story that's actually striking a nerve with Americans right now. That you have people all over mm-hmm. the country they're they're losing their jobs and getting laid off. My mom actually, my my dad's been. uh struggling economically for the last six years uh, after he got uh, let go from his last job. uh, My mom got laid off from her part-time job at a car dealership. She was just like a cashier receptionist uh, doing basic stuff like that. So her job's gone. Uh, People all over the country in the gig economy, in the, uh, the hospitality industry, a lot of the service industry, and these jobs are going towards companies that have no obligation to provide good working conditions. To their credit, uh, companies like Kroger and Meyer, uh, they have they have good strong unions for their workers and they support collective bargaining and they they generally treat their employees fairly well. So to their credit, there are companies that are doing the right thing in a time like this. Uh, my own company included, they're, uh, they're very, very diligent about trying to find work for everyone who is there and not removing anyone from the payroll if they don't absolutely have to. Uh, but it's, it's despicable that the concept like, I'm sorry to go back to something I said earlier, at will, it's, it's deplorable that such a concept exists, that we, that we buy into this false premise that employee and employer are equal. They're not. The employer has so much leverage over the employee that they can let you go with no notice and then still blackball you from the entire industry if you don't give them a week's notice when you quit. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. And in a time of crisis, it it really brings to Mm -hmm. light a, a, a lot of economic inequity in this country. Illinoisans and Americans all over the country, they have to go into work in fear that it 3.30, 3.30, they might get pulled in a HR and told, clean out your desk, go. I think that's wrong. It's immoral and that should not be how it is.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, at the same time, our government is willing to uh, print a trillion dollars a day and give it to the banks uh, <laughs> and Wall Street and appease the, the worries of the investors and um, in the financial industry. So, it's very interesting to see, and then at the same time they're they're bitching about uh giving us uh our like thousand dollar check to every american so this is, I know this is our government it's crazy
2: It's so crazy to me that the people who i mean these big companies who even if they did invest lose you know a million dollars worth of investments, they're still able to keep their electricity on, pay their mortgages, buy groceries. They're not concerned about losing a job. They're not concerned about not getting a paycheck in two weeks. Um, so that's just so sad to me. And I really agree with what Matt said about how this is, people are going to, going to remember this the more that it comes out. Mm-hmm. Who else was is, is being going to be implicated in this? Because you told the American people that their money was fine. Meanwhile, you we're saving your own ass and saving the ass of your friends um, who at the end of the day can really afford this type of crisis. And the people who you are telling everything is all right to cannot afford to lose their paychecks and their investments.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think people are going to see through that. Um, Hopefully enough people see through that and it starts to affect their their way of thinking and the way they vote, especially the way they vote. Alrighty, let's wrap it up there. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, it means the world to Ashley and I. Your word of mouth is our oxygen. So thank you guys for that. If you were listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us that five-star rating. If you got any kind of value or you learn anything from this podcast or this episode specifically we would love to hear back from you uh, let us know what you think on there uh, you can also follow us on face uh facebook at the oligarchy disruptor podcast you can also follow us on twitter at ben the disruptor and you can find ashley at ash the disruptor and uh, please guys make sure you do your part vote your conscience. Do what you're supposed to do. It's your civic duty. People have died for your your right to vote. Of course, everyone grows up knowing that, but it's not something that's really widely taken advantage of, especially in the United States, in which we know for a fact that the majority of Americans do not participate in our elections. And that's what's part of the problem. and really leads to a fundamental shift in the how well in how our country really operates on a day-to-day basis so please guys vote your conscience vote in your own best interest do your research do your due diligence Don't just go and vote for Joe Biden because you remember his name or Bernie Sanders just because you vote. You know that he's that old guy in the race that wants free health care or something like that. You know, like do like go for something policy based, you know, go for those things that go for those things that actually mean something. Don't go and not vote for Bernie Sanders because you don't like the way his supporters talk. Like that's fucking stupid. That's like beyond dumb. And if you're one of those people, um, you need to realign your shit because you can't go after the voters. You can't go after the candidate because of how, they're, how people they can't control, the millions of his supporters are like behaving online. So that's absolutely fucking ridiculous. But once again, guys, I'm just going to wrap it up here. Thank you again for listening to this podcast and we will see you next time.